velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this of McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scores. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Flag. The rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black, and white. I am joined as ever by my good friends and fellow Bath fan Tom. My name is Gabriel, a little bit rusty with a bit of time between drinks because we've only just finished breaking down what was a crazy game at Ashton Gate. We finally got to grips with all the defensive lapses and all the attacking brilliance that we saw at Ashton Gate. Tom, thank you for joining me. Yeah, we. Um... We, we brought ourselves to watch through the, the, the 14 tries and, yeah, still haven't broken the duck at Ashton Gate. You were there on the night, mm. G. How, how was it? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting game because everybody afterwards and all the neutrals and Bristol fans, I think even some Bath fans, were saying just how great a game it was and what a fun spectacle it was and how great it was for rugby. And maybe I'm just a little bit grumpy, but I didn't really enjoy any of it. Well, I, you know, I did, but also you kind of, we were always just a little bit out of reach and, and Bristol were always just running in one extra try for us to us to get through. And yeah, it did feel a little bit like the the, the, the dark old days before um, Johan Van Gran and, and JP Ferreira in particular with some of the tries that, that we were conceding. And I just never really felt like we were going to get there. And, and kind of watching it back, I, I can't believe that we really did actually have a chance of getting there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we had a fantastic day out, and, you know, nonetheless. But but from kind of a rugby point of view, it did always just feel like Bristol were just slightly, slightly ahead and, and just out of reach, which ultimately proved to be coming out 57-44 winners. Yeah, well, as we've seen with, you know, recent Netflix uh, documentaries, and our very own Lionel Messi featuring. It's an entertainment business, G, and it was the mm. first uh, player mic game in the Premiership. And although we would love nothing more than to go up to the AJ Bell and sit in the rain and watch a, a 6-3 scrum battle, mm. ultimately, you know, it's it brought eyes to the to to the game to the and, and to the league. I think, and yeah, I mean, it was it certainly kept me on the edge of my seats. Didn't go to the gate. Thank God, um, particularly given your comments on how far out of Bristol it was. Um, but yeah, it's um, crazy. I think what, what was the start? It was the the fourth game ever to cross the the, 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 the century, the hundred point mark. Um, mm. Fully, fully defence optional, and I think from a Bath point of view, there was definitely a bit of a hangover from what's been a very tough block in Europe, an away game to, to lose, mm. delayed coming back, obviously losing five players to England and our Scottish contingent to their training camp during the week, and then having three players, three key players for us in in Max, in Will Muir and in Charlie Yules, our line-out caller, called up to England Six Nations duty in the week 
prior to, to the Bristol game, it certainly wasn't the side and, and the team that we saw against Toulouse in more ways than one. I think that that did show. Yeah, and we'll come on to talk in a lot more, well, a little bit more detail, I guess, about the game, break it down uh, a bit further. And I will give give some thoughts about Ashton Gate. And I know how far it is at Bristol. I've been there loads of times, but it is always just a little bit annoying. But we've got so much more to come on this podcast as well, Tom. We've had 10 contract renewals since we last spoke. There's been some Six Nations rugby. I'm sure if you're listening... You've heard and watched a hell of a lot of that. Um, And it's also kind of a nice opportunity to take a little bit of stock. There's a big break of of, of rugby now for the Six Nations. Um, And so we thought it was a good opportunity for us to look back on what has been ultimately a pretty successful start to the season and then look ahead to, to what's to come uh, and maybe some some stuff we'd like to see improved on. So a bumper podcast to come and then we will end the podcast with the black and white butchers shirt giveaway. I'm sure some of you are coming to the podcast perhaps for the first time. So towards the end of the podcast, we have a brand new Tom Dunn signed bath shirt to give away. I've got it in my hands now and God, oh, is it a nice pit of kit? It is not bloodstained like we saw Tom Dunn's shirt a couple of Saturdays against Bristol. I guess for some of you that would be unfortunate. You'd rather it bloodstained. But this is pristine bit of kit. So stay tuned to the end of the podcast to find out how you can get yourself in with a chance of winning this Tom Dunn beautiful Blast Rugby shirt. You'd need a big old frame for it. Triple XL, 150 um, in gold printed on the, the the chest there the England flag as well and and sign as well it's a it's a it's a stunning bit of kit I'll be certainly participating in the in the competition myself I think on this occasion Jane. <laughs> I'm not sure that is allowed although I would quite like to keep it in our flat to be honest with you um, and yeah if, if you haven't checked out if you're coming to this podcast without seeing the information about the giveaway go and check out our socials at Bathroom Pub to see a photo of the shirt um, and as I say towards the end of this podcast I will reveal how you can be in with a chance of winning it. And don't just fast forward to the end. There is plenty of blue, black and white chat to get to in the meantime. Um, And let's start at Ashton Gate, Tom, with that game a couple of weekends ago. 55-47 defeat, as I said. Lots of players missing, as as you referred to, and it definitely told defensively. I think I said at the start, I didn't enjoy any minute of it. That's actually a lie. I did enjoy... The first couple of minutes of the game, and particularly Joe Thock and Seager's wonderful try down the right flank. Yeah, just out of absolutely nowhere um, on the back foot, Finn Russell kind of identifies the fact that the Bristol defence is narrow, mm. which certainly turned out to be a theme for the <laughs> game, uh, more so on on, on our defence, unfortunately. And kind of yeah, almost kick pass as, as much as a cross kick out to to Big Joe. Um, who takes it wide and then has absolutely no right to score from where he does, probably more than 40 metres out, um, just goes round ex-Bath player Rich Lane and then a big fend-off on Gabriel Ibatoye and in the corner. And, you know, he should have been stopped. Mm. There's no doubt about that. But his finishing this season at mm. times has been absolutely ridiculous. He's got a real, real eye for the try line And, yeah, absolutely wonderful start. Yeah, a, a nose for the white line, talking to Seager developing. 
Mm. The other side of his game still needs some work, um, which we'll, we'll definitely come on to. But that was a brilliant, brilliant finish. And yeah, the way he, he kind of broke the tackle of Lane without slowing down, if anything, kind of continuing to speed up through that tackle, meant that he was able to score from from basically the halfway line. Um, I think the, the, the guys on TNT commentary were, were pretty critical of the Bristol defence, rightly so. But I think that was a, a brilliant Dokkamasiga finish. Um, but but kind of from there, Tom, defensively, the, the kind of pattern of the game started to tell and, and, and Bath defensively looked looked all at sea and, and as I alluded to, back to the old days. Yeah, Bristol equalised with a you know fairly fairly benign mall try and that's been an effective weapon for them. And after that, yeah, as you say, absolute chaos ensued. Um, first of all, with the the Joe Batley try on ten minutes, just a very poor bit of bit of one up tackling and 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 you know lack of connection between Stuckey and and Van Belter in the thirteen channel. Not where you want them, <laughs> I grant you, but. Equally, when Bristol get in behind and they get into the the wide channels, they are they do mm-hmm. take their tries nicely, and they always always have done. To be fair to them, what is what's going on with me? Um, <laughs> no, I need to check my temperature. Um, but yeah, as I said, after that, two yellow cards really mm-hmm. added to the pain. Um, doesn't obviously help your your defensive line, and the defense did show, as you mentioned earlier, some real similarities to. The, the the depths and the lows that we've seen over over recent seasons. It was absolutely abysmal. We were we were so narrow on multiple occasions. We lost all shape completely. Yeah. Uh, you'll come on to this, you were stu- you were stood mm. behind the, the, the line, but dog legged, disconnected in midfield, losing collisions, guys that you just don't expect to miss tackles. Van Belzer um, is having a solid season and he looked completely um, you know, completely out of it uh, yeah. defensively. Miles Reed even missing mm. um, a couple of one-up tackles again. Very, very rarely see that. So, um, yeah, it certainly felt like a a nasty dream and a return to to mm. the days of of seasons gone by. Yeah, what we're not going to do, and I don't think any Bath fan wants us to do this, is relive all of those tries. So I kind of just want to give a little holistic view on the the defence. Um, and I think you're right. See what you did there with that one. Holistic, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> not, not, not bad. <laughs> Might be the name, could be the name of the podcast, that. Um, yeah, and you, there were a hell of a lot of holes. And, and I was sat in the Ateo stand and we had a great a great view of just how poor Bath's defence was. Um, and you can see, we've spoken about it before, That's a gr- I love sitting behind a post because you can see mm-hmm. where the spaces are and you can see the players that are identifying those spaces and Bristol to be fair to them did well and I think yeah system wise um, they looked disorganised they looked like a team that, that hadn't played those together and we'll come to that but I think what I didn't necessarily grasp on the day more so I've grasped uh, as we've kind of rewatched it this evening Tom it's just the sheer number of one-on-one tackles missed and and that is a little bit inexcusable there were uh, you know I don't have the specific tackle stats to hand, but there were a number of times when we missed three, four, five tackles on, on one or two players. And you cannot afford to do that at, at, at any level. And and, and in particular, in, in, the, in the kind of mood Bristol were in. And, and that combined with the disorganisation um, and, and kind of spacing issues that I've spoken about, the ill-discipline, the two, the two yellow cards, and then just the, the inability to slow the ball down 
Um, I think our batter had a, had a really poor day. Uh, we weren't able to slow that ball down at all. Um, and I think those factors just meant that we conceded 57 points, which we just haven't looked like doing so far this season. We've gotten those things much better. Our discipline has been so far improved. We've spaced lovely at times. Um, and, and we've tackled a, a hell of a lot better. I think our overall tackle success rate this season is 86%, which is far higher than I imagine it was a couple of Saturdays ago. So it was just a combination of all of those factors, which just meant that we just looked not at all like the side we have been this season and a lot like the side we were a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, spot on. Um, tackle success, 72%. Um, oh, that that's, lost, that's high for me. Yeah, lost, lost possibly is. Lost, lost 38, uh, sorry, 38 defenders beaten for, for Bristol. 12 clean breaks, which is very, very high. And as I said, when Bristol got in behind... They, they they made us pay. I think, yeah, I think we're spot on with all your points. And the only thing I'd add that is different to the way we've approached games in, um, you know, so at points during the season is we kicked a hell of a lot less from hand. Mm. 16 kicks from hand and, you know, probably four or five of those were cross kicks. So um, not in any attempt to win the middle third in the way that we have done and we do when, when particularly yeah. Ben Spencer's playing and, I think in that first half, we allowed Bristol to dictate the pace of the game and keep it really quick, keep the ball in play. Mm. And that's going to be tough against Bristol on a dry day, as we've known in the past. But you you add on the fact that you've got two yellow cards, you're losing your nine, which is obviously a key player in controlling that that speed of game. Um, and also, you know, it's a team that that's, that's only had one proper training session mm. together in the lead up to it. It's a... Uh, it's a it's a it's a recipe for disaster, really. Yeah, I guess context does matter with, with those kicking stats, though. I I feel like in the second half we were we weren't kicking at all out of hand because we were we were chasing a game, right? So yeah, we definitely kicked less, um, and, and we missed we missed Spencer. Let's just touch on on that kind of training session and, and players. So yeah, you mentioned we're missing all those players, and we were delayed we were delayed back from Toulouse. We played Toulouse on the. On the Sunday, I don't think we actually got back until the Tuesday. So you really don't have much time before you've got a big game against Bristol. And it did look, and I, and I worried when we previewed this game, what, what feels like an eternity ago now, but three or four weeks ago, I did worry that it might be a little bit of a hangover from, from what was a massive game against Toulouse. And, and I do think, you know, all of the factors we've spoke about um, kind of told. And I thought we looked a little bit rudderless as well. Um we miss Spencer so much. Um, yeah, we just his leadership, everything that he gives us, his calmness, his control. Um, we missed him a huge amount, and, and I just think no Yules to to call the line out. Yules would have been calling the line out all week. He was called up Sting and squad on the yeah. Friday, I think it was. So he would have been calling the line out in the prep all the way up to the game, and then not available. No Spenny. Um, Free Ben Spencer, to be quite frank, as we'll come on to when we talk about the Six Nations. I, I yeah. thought it was a yeah a, a, a dark day and, and factors at play to, to cause that. Uh, yeah, I think you know it does definitely is far from ideal preparation. However, I still think mm. that looking down the respective sides, it's still a relatively strong side that we're we're mm. putting out, and there's quality throughout the 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 twenty three. I, I I think. If their players are completely honest with themselves, they didn't turn up with the same energy and ferocity that we've seen this season. They let Bristol, who clearly 
were very, very hungry for it. I mean, they were stuck down on 25 points, um, kind of very much away from the rest of the, the you know, the, the top seven, as it were, in the league. So, um, you know, coming off a, a massive defeat to Connacht in the, in the, in the Challenge Cup, it's not been a great season for them. Um, and I say that with um, a big smile on my face and the wheels of the Patlam wheels seem to be coming off. But I do think to their credit that they just brought an intensity that we we didn't. Um, and to be quite honest, they probably should have been further ahead mm. in that first half given the, the, the way we defended. Yeah, they put, I think they should have won this game by, by kind of 20, 30 points. But with 13 minutes to go, we're six points down and Bristol are down to 13 men as you have as favourites at that point, which yeah. is which is remarkable. So let's maybe talk a little bit about some good that, that Bath did, probably more so in attack. You know, there were a number of of um, tries from close range. So the move from Tom Dunn, Kutsia pushed over, Detroit pushed over, and then um, there was a penalty try from from what was ultimately another Detroit pushover. So we certainly got within Bristol's 22 um, on a few occasions and were able to score. And yeah, I think Thomas Detroit stood out for me in that area. Every time he carried, he, he seemed to be just a different beast to almost everyone else on the pitch, just in, in heavy traffic, making yards. Um, should have probably had two tries on the day, had his one, um, and he was great in the, in that kind of close-range battle. Was there anyone that stood out for, for, for you from a kind of more attacking side and a bath point of view? Well, I think Finn showed some some lovely touches at, at points. I mean, the crossing early on was... Um, mm. You know, was was a really nice bit of skill, and then the the try straight after half time. I think that was very much needed. I think it was what a twenty point deficit mm. at half time, and you certainly saw that they they trudged off the field and they looked pretty pretty downcast. You know, forty eight no sorry, well ten tries after forty eight minutes, um, a forty eight point first half is what I meant. Bristol scoring their bonus point in twenty two minutes. Mm. So after a, a bright start. We probably left like rabbits in headlights, really. Um, the crowd uh, up, or should I say, the the speakers well, we'll turned get, up we'll with it. some uh, with some chanting. Um, and I thought, yeah, the way that he came out, and, and that's what he can do, right? Like when he he picks those passes incredibly well, he fixes defenders and he creates gaps for other players, and then um, he got the ball returned to him and, and, and took that really well. So yeah, he, he certainly made his his his, his mistakes, and his, his kicking was a little bit ropier from the tee. Um, as, as it has been in points this season, but I thought when he, um, yeah, he, he produced a couple of a, a couple of nice moments, and without him, it, it, it probably would have been a, mm. a wider margin. And then yeah, Tom Tom Glanville I thought was 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 tidy from from the back again, and it looks like with Matt Gallagher on the wing, he has, um, you mm. know, he's made that fifteen show his own a bit. But I wouldn't say a huge number of performances to be to be no. to be that proud of to be honest I, I agree and you've touched on Russell there so let's talk about a big big moment at, at the end involving Russell so Bristol get a, a, you know a dodgy Laheef penalty um, we then score a, a return penalty so we're back within six we, we've got two what? you can't give him any credit can you you know I think oh. I think you know Tom Thomas Satoy switched the loose heads it's probably a reset scrum but I, you know I I I, I don't, I've dubbed I, it a dodgy I, Lahi penalty. I, don't, I, don't, I think that's a that's, that's I, good journalism. I don't begrudge that, and I would say at that point, I begrudge you massively. At, at that point, the Bristol, badge. you know, we yeah, 
yeah, he needs to sell out, isn't he? But um, <laughs> we'll get to the giveaway. What, <laughs> um, what was I saying? Yeah, and you said at that point, um, you know, six points was it? Seven points? Yeah, so six points. Forty-seven, forty-one. Bristol down to thirteen at yeah. that point in time. So sorry, go back to what you were saying, but that was a massive moment. Yeah, yeah. So, so they they win that. Context, they they yeah. win that penalty. They go 50 points to 40, 41 up. Then we return fire with a, with a Finn Russell penalty. 50, sorry, 47. 44, no, 44. 40, no, 50, 44. Yeah. So 50 points to 44, six-point game. We've obviously scored six tries at this point. So we've got two points there, right? Two bonus points. We are camped in our own 22, um, but we're only six points behind. So a converted try would win the game and, and we'd go for all five. Um, Finn gets the ball, goes for a cross kick. Um, it's gathered by Lane and, and he kind of runs in, finishes the scoring 57-44 and we leave with just one point mm-hmm. for the for the five try or four four try bonus point, excuse me. What was your what was your take on that? Happy with a kind of ambition shown? Or would you like us to be a little bit more pragmatic there and and maybe see if it's it. on and, and get rid of it and then go from there? I think Fuck it. What would Lionel Messi do? That's what that's what you've got to ask yourself these days. Um, it's on Netflix, I uh, <laughs> We are available. We are available. Um, I don't know. I think the fact that we've got Finn Russell at 10 means that we're going to be going for those opportunities. And, you know, I don't mind him going for it. I mm. think he pulls it off more often than he doesn't over the course of his... Um, or hasn't over the course of his career. And I, 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 I like the ambition. It's yeah, that would have been incredible if <clears throat> managed. And it wasn't a million miles away, a bit longer than maybe he releases was it Matt Gallagher um, or Big Joe on the right Joe, on, the, yeah. on the right wing. So yeah, I mean we lose the point there and we know bonus points are are very tight looking at the table. Um, and the difference between Quinn's in second and we're in third on thirty seven as well, and now Bristol in eighth, only seven points, and the difference between sixth and second, only five points. So, you know, just a, mm. basically a, a bonus point win there. So, yeah, costly mistake from him at the end. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I must admit, I'm not against him going for it. No. I feel like watching it back now, I'm a bit like, oh, just clear it and see what we can get from the line out. But being at the game, did that game feel like it had a weird little m- yeah. mental twist in it? 57-44, I think it felt like that. I think you go for it. And so. you tear the, the, the hearts oh, and minds of Bristol fans if we win that game. It's worth it's worth, the, it's worth the punt. Yeah, literally. It, it, yeah. Um, so, didn't ultimately come off. A um, couple stories then from, from Ashton Gate. So, I had a, had a nice chat um, before the game with, with, with the Messi of rugby. Um, Archie Griffin's a big old slice up, up close. Um, obviously featuring for, for Wales in, in the Six Nations and then so which football would he be? Lukaku maybe? It's, it's not my <laughs> spot but and then every player you mention now you've got a you've got a link to a professional football who's the nicest professional footballer out there the nicest professional rugby player out there is our, our boy Rory McConaughey um, and did have a chat with him and, and I'd like to report he's fit um, Yoani well, you had had a few beers have you? <laughs> Yoani's fit, he's raring to get a go on the wing. Um he just can't get get picked at the moment. And then yeah, Ashton Gate. So Was he a travelling reserve? Yeah, he was travelling reserve. He was 
he was bounding about in the in the warm ups, itching to get a go. Um, so I would, uh, yeah, we'll come on to contract stuff in, in a moment. I would love to see him see him get a run. He's such a a great player and and a great bloke as we've spoken about. Um, and then yeah, Ashton Gay. I don't like it there at all. Um, and yeah, so they're playing Bristol, the chant Bristol, out of the speakers across the stadium, which makes it seem um, a hell of a lot louder than, than the crowd are actually making it. And yeah, a lot of blue, black and white supporters there. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was a, another tough day at Ashton Gate, of which, of which we've had many. Certainly have. Let's let's move on from from that. Let's let's park that. I think I don't really want to ever watch, talk, or, or kind of think about that that defensive performance in particular ever again. Um, what has been happening in, in kind of the interim is a hell of a lot of contract renewal. So Bath uh, across their socials have been releasing these on a, a kind of daily basis throughout the week. I think three or four a day, um, and I'm just kind of going to recap them all here. Um, and what I love, actually, what I've loved about this is that they've told us the, the length of, of each extension. So I've got that here. I'll kind of give you all 10, Tom, and then maybe let, let, let's break it down, the ones that have signed. And then we'll talk a little bit about the notable ones that perhaps haven't and are yet to sign, but, but perhaps to come. So Will Stewart, a two-year extension from the end of this season. Will Muir, a three-year extension from the end of this season. Max Ajoma, three-year extension. Cam Redpath, three-year extension. Archie Griffin, three-year senior extension. Charlie Yules, three-year extension. Nalanette, one-year extension. Sam Harris, two-year extension. Louis Schroeder, one-year extension. And finally, Miles Reed, three-year extension. Some really good news there all round, Tom. Which one stood out for you as, as perhaps maybe the most surprising or, or one that you were, were really delighted to see? Um, Can't say Max uh... either. Well, I've got, I've got, I can't, I can't really pick one here. I would say just before we we get into it. So Let's get into it, yeah. The you know obviously the salary the background to this is the salary cap, you know, increasing next season from from four million to five point six. Um, in our case, five million to six point six. Um, with our marquee player, um, mm. and obviously you know we're one of the teams that that can fill that given the financial backing that we have. That's not the case for all clubs. So, you know, we're in a really good position to be able to pay these players more and keep them. And um, obviously there's, there's less of an allure to, 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 to go abroad. What, the second thing that I was really pleased to see in a lot of these cases is the demographic of um, the, the guys that we're re-signing in some cases and the fact that we're starting to see the fruits of, of, of the academy mm. come through. In the case of, of Max, um, in the case of Sam Harris, in, and in the case of Archie Griffin, and who am I missing? Miles, Miles Reed, Reed, of course. Charlie Yules. Charlie Yules, yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really a good news story in, in, in a lot of ways. And as you say, it's just absolutely brilliant that these are long-term contracts. Mm. Johan van Grand said when he came that he wants to have a look at the squad, have a look at the coaching outfit, and he will decide which players he sees, you know, as part of a top premiership side. And I think it's really great that these guys are gonna be are gonna be are gonna be part of that if if all that stuff materializes. Yeah. So to answer your question. Yeah, yeah. Oh go on, we're gonna say No, go on. I think 
It's a tough one. I mean, it's hard for me to look past Max. Yeah. Because I just think, I just love him to bits and he's, <laughs> he's just quality. And for another three years, um, uh, another three years of him is, is brilliant. And to have both him and Cam Redpath locked in, yeah. obviously competing for the same shirt and Ollie Lawrence mm-hmm. outside him, I think it's great as well because, you know, they have basically been rotating this season and I think that there'd obviously be a chance that if one was a clear preference that the other would be disengaged and obviously there's 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 been talk of the likes of Bristol sniffing around Max so keeping him in blue black and white is firmly on the agenda and then the other guy that I'm just delighted delighted to see get an extension to to his um his time in the in the stables is is the horse Will Muir <laughs> I can't overstate how much I rate him and how I mean you never see I've said this before, but you never see, you very, very rarely see him not being the best winger on the pitch. I just think he is incredible. And um, yeah, what, what he's done coming from sevens at a later age and then then progressing into the winger he has and ultimately being involved in the England setup now is is brilliant. So, Would he start yeah. for you on England's wing? Uh, I mean, given that, you know, and I don't want to get you started on this, but given that Elliot Daly is still occupying that berth, I mean, he... He can't be a million miles away, but I want him in blue, black and white, ultimately. Mm. So, yeah, if they're wrapping him in, in cotton wool, as obviously they love to do with our wingers. They never injure mm. any of our boys in England camps. Um, uh, you know, that, that, that that's great. So, yeah, those are the two I'll pick out, but delighted with with all of them, particularly the younger guys. Mm. Yeah, I think you can you can kind of break it down, I think, into, into three different kind of camps or different areas. So I think you've just got a couple of experienced guys who are just bolting on to, to cover a year in a net and in Louis Schroeder. And you've got a couple of younger guys who are, you know, first senior contracts who are clearly going to be a part of the, the future, but maybe not the immediate term in Sam Harris and, and Archie Griffin. And then I think you've got this, this, this bigger pool of lads that are going to be the spine of the team in Stuart, Muir, Ajoma, Redpath, Yules and Reed. Um, and I think, all of those guys are, are, are going to be pivotal. So, yeah, I'm delighted. And, and Stuart and Redpath in particular were guys who, who were being linked away. Um, and to see them to both sign kind of multiple-year deals it, is great. Um, I love how they're telling us how long it is. I, I yeah. think that, that's fantastic. Um, and I also, final kind of point on this, I found it interesting that Sam Harris was described in the article and in a couple of places as a 20-year-old fly half um, kind of, perhaps signalling where they think he's going to play long term and perhaps pointing to a guy who may be out of contract who, who might not get it renewed. So, so let's look at that now, Tom. And I'm, of course, talking of, of Orlando Bailey, who signed his kind of the two-year deal at the same time as Max a couple of years ago. We hear all about it in our intro to the podcast every week. Um, it's not really happened for Landy this year um, and not really last year either. Um and is, is Harris kind of cementing himself as that, that second choice 10 going forward, perhaps? Um, and then the other kind of bigger names, I guess, or, or more established names who who are, you know, and it's difficult because previously they weren't telling us how long contracts were signed, but but speculated and rumoured to be out of contract are Big Joe Thokonasiga, um, Tom de Glanville, uh, Roy McConaughey, Josh McNally, uh, and then, of course, Elliot Stook, who, who is definitely kind of only on a short-term deal as it stands. Um, I know Bath did say that there was more to come, so I think kind of watch this space on, on, on those guys. But, um, 
yeah, some some names there that that are potentially out of contract. Yeah, I I, I think the Bailey Harris uh, dynamic is interesting mm. because it's I'm glad you're interested it's, as well. It's not I'm very interesting. Other listeners would have switched off by now, um, <laughs> albeit wait for the news about the giveaway. But you've got to listen to me talk about this first. Um, but I do think it's interesting because we've we've only really we've seen this season. I think. The trend, I need to look at the names that you were just talking about. The wheels are off. It's been a few weeks. Um, you've done your research for a change as well, which is great. Uh, but, but yeah, it looks like Harris is starting to be preferred to Bailey. I think he has definitely got a bit more versatility. And when you're playing a 6-2 bench, I think that has, that's been probably initially the reason he, mm. he got in. Um, but, yeah, Landy's not probably pushed on in, in the way that you know, it would have been expected. He had a really good opportunity last season to not make the tenure his own with Finn Russell coming in, but you know, he was our primary ten, mm. and I don't think he showed enough consistency. Particularly, I think his kicking game um, was a bit lacking. We know how good he is ball in hand, but I think he he didn't really take games by the scruff of the neck and control them in the way that really talented and really you know and 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 confident young tens can can do so yeah Sam Harris has torn it up at age group level for for England and and looks a, a really nice prospect so can they keep both of them with with Finn Russell around I think absolutely they they can to be honest with the expanded salary cap but yeah are we seeing Sam Harris kind of kind of take the mantle and Johan wanting to play him at, at fly half and then yeah just just on the other guys I think you know Big Joe will surely be one of those guys that, that is renewed. Obviously, when the rumours about Arundel were, were floating round, perhaps that would have been at the cost of, of Big Joe. Whether he remains on as big a contract as it was rumoured that he was on before, um, I'm not sure. He's, he's probably not pushed on to... tries. To, yeah, but he's, he's probably not pushed on to, um, you know, the, the, the expectations of him when he was signed on that long-term contract, whatever it was, three or three or so years ago. Um, and then TDG, as I said, I think he's um, he, he's having a, a cracking season, and there are some rumours about Matt Gallagher potentially mm. going back to to Munster. I think so. Um, really hope that doesn't happen because he's a he's he's been such a good player for us, arguably our player of the season last year. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to to more to come. As far as I'm concerned with this squad overall, I think as little turnover as we can as we can. Um, as we, we can have with the existing squad, I think is perfect because mm-hmm. I think these players are starting to gel together really nicely. What I want to see from the expansion in the money that we've got for next season is us bring in a big second row and perhaps bolster that 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 front row a little bit. I think our, our back line's starting to shape up really nicely um, across the board. Back row is phenomenal in terms of the depth we've got there. I think maybe in the prop department we could strengthen a little bit Mm. Um, and I think second row is the obvious obvious area mm. where we it'd be great if we could recruit an absolute killer, a Will Skelton, um, uh, you know, a, an Evan Etzebeth, someone of of huge quality that we can bring in and spend some of that extra cap. Yeah, just feel like a backup nine. What have you made? What do you make of of Lewis Schroeder? Because I was thinking about this earlier, yeah. and I think is he not probably the best and certainly the most solid and reliable second choice nine that we've had in a while. Like think back to who we've had over recent season, Max Green, Ollie Fox, 
uh, Will Chudley. You look back, who else? Who am I missing? But you know, I, I think he's a he's a solid operator. And yeah, Ben Spencer's involved with England. Who was the winger that plays for Glasgow? Who we tried to play? Uh, Matavalu. Matavalu. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, that was a, that was a shambles. But I do think he's a solid operator, and I think obviously Spencer's involved yeah. with England, but not getting in the twenty three somehow. And when there's not now overlap between England games and club games, it's not such a big deal, I don't think. I think he's solid enough. Yeah, maybe it's just because sponsors so good, right? But it just feels like there is a ma- massive drop off between those two, and maybe Carl Smith, who, who came off against, came on against Bristol, excuse me. Um, maybe, maybe he's the kind of longer term answer, but it just, it just concerns me a bit. But be a right kind of back, you know, back up nine when you've got Spencer around the whole time isn't necessarily priority one. But it, yeah, I just feel like especially this season, it's just starting to be more noticeable when Spencer's not there. Mm. And you think that, you know, he's second choice nine, he will probably be spending a lot of his time training and then playing with second choice 10, so Harris or Bailey. I think it pays to have a little bit of, a, of mm. experience there. And, you know, he's, he's been around the block and is a, is a cap South African, so... Is he? Yeah, I think he has, he has, he has at least appeared for them, I believe, mm. but anyway. Anyway, without wanting to turn this into a bit of a monster, that's the contract stuff parked. Let's talk a little bit about the season then, Tom. So there's this big gap now in the um, in in the Premiership and in, in domestic kind of competitive rugby, you would say, for this Six Nations, which is great because I think all eyes can be on the Six Nations, which is absolutely um, where it should be. Um, Bath currently sits in third place in, in the Premiership, Extremely tight premiership. They won three out of four games in Europe and came very close to, to making it incredibly four out of four. And and being that being the number one seed, we've got an away um, game against Exeter in in that competition. Where are we, Tom, in terms of expectations at the start of the season? I think we're we're, we're probably above where we expected. Mm. Um, you know. You mentioned the, the, you know, how, how tight it is. Ultimately, we're only five points away from being seventh, which we could say was, was below expectations. But I think we've had a solid premiership campaign. Um, you know, We beat Bristol, as we probably should and would have done, with a, with, you know, it had not been for the, the, the squad changes that we, that, that, that we had enforcing us from, from England. And you know, we're comfortably in, in second place there. Um, on on eight on eight wins out of out of twelve, so I think we're in a great position on the Europe side. I think we've exceeded expectations. We didn't really know what what to expect, so to to to, to beat Racing in particular in in the way that we did was 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 fantastic, and we were unlucky not to get mm. um, a, a home draw. It is going to be very very tight, right? We're into crunch time now in the season when we get back to, to sale um, at the end of the, the Six Nations. Only six games left in the season and there's some tough games, right? So sale at home, Quinn's away, then the double header away at Exeter Chiefs. So first of all, that Champions Cup game and then two weeks later we go back to Sandy Park to play them in the Premiership. So that is away. that is a serious, um, you know, a, a serious couple of weeks against against Exeter. And yeah, three away, as you say, which which is difficult, albeit obviously Exeter is 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 is, is only only down the road. Then into Saracens, another very tough game at home. Then the the sort of only really remaining gimme in the season in Newcastle, 
and then Saints at home to finish top of the season. So the run-in is very hard. Uh, you know, we're playing um, some of the top sides in the season there. We played Bristol twice. We played Gloucester twice Le- already. Leicester so, twice as well. And yeah, and Leicester twice already, albeit I think Leicester are probably one of the top sides in the league. But anyway, you know, it, it's a tough run-in and it's going to come down to extremely fine margins. Mm. A bonus point here and there, you know, could be absolutely key so um, yeah the way that our international players are managed during the Six Nations and come out of it hopefully injury free but also relatively fresh hopefully is out of our control but that's going to be absolutely massive and ultimately mm. we've got eight players playing for England now the most out of any club given the injuries that, that, that we've seen in England and then what three guys away for, for Scotland as well mm. so yeah it's um, and Welsh and Archie Griffin, of course, who's been named in the 23. So what's that? Three plus eight plus one, 12 <laughs> out of, a, out of a, a squad of what? 36, 37. It's a lot. It's a lot of boys. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So I, I, it's, yeah, I mean, it's going to be so tense, isn't it? Like it's so tight. And yeah, you can imagine that last weekend we're home to Northampton. It's just going to be a humdinger at the wreck. But I do think ultimately we are probably slightly ahead of where we thought we would be. Um, I think we're right in that mix um, and you've got to have us with a real chance of getting in that top four because the way the league is so tight, everyone's running is going to look is going to look difficult. So I think we're slightly ahead um, and I think a couple of, of, of highlights and of pointers of that for me. Um, so I think first and foremost, the, the, the coaching I think is, is, is improved and I think is... Um, definitely been a positive. I think all three of the additions, so Blackett, Blaze and Scott, are all starting to have their mark and the boys definitely look a lot kind of better coached. Um, I think our home record is 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 really good and really important. We only lost one game at home all season and that was the, the one-point defeat in the rain against Leicester where Shilcock nailed that penalty at their death. That can easily go the other way. Um, and I, I kind of think... The, the the other thing has just been the scrum um, and, and the, the way the scrum has played and the way that the, 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 the props in particular have played. And I'm just going to single out one guy. And I think Thomas Detroit has been so, so good this season. I think he's been pivotal in, in our success and our improvement. And I think in us being slightly above expectations, um, his try scoring, his scrummaging, his versatility, his availability, he's a proper good player. And I think he, he, and maybe along with Ollie Lawrence, have, have been the standouts in, yeah, what I think has been an above expectation start, mm-hmm. but it's going to come down to these last few weeks and, and kind of where we get to, um, because it could, all, it could all go wrong. It, it is so tight there. And one guy that we can hopefully expect to see back playing by the time we return mm. in, in late March is Ted Hill. Mm. And, you know, it's very easy to forget how good these guys are when they're not around and Ted Hill last season at points was a different animal. And if he can bring back some of that just all round game changing ability that Mm. he showed, I think that could be a difference, you know, a bit of a difference maker as well. So looking forward to seeing him back. A couple of work ons then for me, just before we finish this section. So I think first thing is the line out. I don't think the line out, you know, the mall has functioned pretty well once we've got it down. But I think the line out has been hit and missed, certainly at key points 
this season. Um, and then the second thing is the kick success rate. It's 65%. Russell's at 62%. It's going to be tight. That has to get better. A bit of Six Nations chat. Five from five, wasn't he, in, um, on Saturday, that. even though they nearly bottled it. Oh, that's a nice segue. It's a lovely segue, sir. Yeah, so a great first weekend of, of the Six Nations. From from a Bath point of view, I think slightly frustrating. Um, no, ben, Well, Benno did actually feature on the bench. Got very little game time. Late replacement, though, wasn't he? Yeah, for Genji. And, and the no Ben Spencer stuff is... is Absolutely baffling. Um, and yeah, Finn, Red, Finn Redpath. Cam Redpath and Finn Russell featured for Scotland in, in what was a great game um, in Cardiff. And another great weekend to come this uh, upcoming weekend with, of course, the big clash at Twickenham Wales versus England. But there is also a Wales versus England game taking place at the wreck, would you believe it? And that is England under 20s. And, and there's some Bath... Um, some Bath interest in this, not only with it being at the rec, uh, England two England props feature for obviously for England, coached by former Bath man um, Nathan, uh, Cat. Nathan Cat. Thank you. Um, he's the scrum coach, and he will be having both Billy Seller and Scott Kirk under his um, under his watch. Uh, Scott Kirk looks an extremely Exciting prospect to me. Um, and then for Wales in the same game, Yian Davis, uh, a, a, a forename which will bring back certain memories for, for Bar fans of a certain era. And Louis Hennessy, who, who we've seen, will be playing at 13. So those two will be pitting themselves against each other at the rec this Friday. Um, so if you're going, that'll be a really great one um, and enjoy watching a few Bath lads and a few former stars of the future in action. And then finally, Murdoch Locke is turning out for Scotland under 20s. Um, that's the final, <laughs> final one. And this will all become relevant as we move on to the last section. I wasn't expecting that. It's just the last note I've got. I'm delirious at this point. And then Murdoch, if you're listening, mate, best of luck. Um, I think they're playing France this weekend, so best of luck with that one. Um, that's a little bit of a Six Nations review and preview. Um, we were going to talk a little bit more about that. The Murdoch Locke special. But this has turned into a bit of a monster podcast uh, and there are plenty of other pods out there doing Six Nations chat. Probably not doing Murdoch Locke-based previews, though. That is <laughs> definitely our USP there. He's starting nine for Scotland's under-20s, mate. I look forward to seeing how he gets on. Good <laughs> luck, Murdoch. So the, probably the moment that many of you have um, been... Fast-forwarded to. <laughs> Fast-forwarded to. But as kindly gifted to us by Tom Dunn um, in, in kind of partnership with Tom Dunn's Black and White Butchers. Um, check out their Instagram um, and check out their stand at the rec if you make your way down to the rec at any point. So we've got a shirt to give away um, and what we thought would be quite a nice idea is given we're probably not going to come back with another podcast, you've got plenty to listen to before the end of the Six Nations. We do a little bath Six Nation based crossover. So you need to send us a tweet with your points prediction for the number of points scored by Bath represented internationals. Um, and this is both across the men's senior tournament and the under 20s tournament. So that is a total number of points scored by all of those players in the final three weekends 
of Six Nations action. So this upcoming weekend, if, if you are listening to this before the weekend that involves England v Wales and Scotland v France, that weekend is not included. But the final three weekends, the total number of points scored, so two for a conversion, three for a penalty, five for a try, add all of them up, how many are scored by Bath players in both the men's Six Nations and the under-26 Nations. To give you an idea of a guess, in the first round, there was 12 points scored by Bath players in the Six Nations. They were actually all by Finn Russell. Um, But as I highlighted earlier, there are a number of boys playing. Um, So just keep an eye out um, and we will kind of keep track of this after each weekend and you can kind of keep a track on your guess. The closest guess at the end of the three weekends will win the shirt and we will send that over to you in the post. Do, quick one, do Murdoch lock points count for two? No. They don't. Murdoch lock points do not count for two. You just need to tweet us or we're going to put some posts out with um, a little graphic of this giveaway. Reply to that graphic. All you need to do is include the hashtag BRPointsGiveaway. So hashtag BR points giveaway. So Bath Rugby plug points giveaway. One P though. Yeah, one P. And a capital P. And a capital G, please. Well, I don't think that matters really. I think I don't understand. As we established with our first giveaway, neither of us really understand um, social media that well. But yeah, BR points giveaway. Um, the total number of points scored by Bath players in this Six Nations. The deadline for your submissions is Friday the 23rd of February, so ahead of the final three weekends. Is that clear? Clear as mud. Cool. Thank you, Tom, for joining me. Thank you for listening. Sorry it took a little bit of time for us to get back to you after the Bristol game, but hopefully that has given you your sufficient blue, black and white fix. Enjoy the Six Nations. Enjoy some of the action that's going on at the rec in the interim. We will be back following the Six Nations with the announcement of the winner of that giveaway. And as always, stick behind the boys through.